We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What is up, Green Bay Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Pack a Day podcast, the Skin of Your Teeth edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Morley, and I'm going to be joined the first half of the podcast doing something a little bit different this week to accommodate everyone's schedule uh but i've got the one and only trey watson senior here with me today and we're gonna be talking about this this win this what i mean i think matt lafleur said it best trey he said it, it felt like a dream and i think someone asked him in the post game presser i thought it was really clever when they're like when did it stop feeling like a nightmare and start feeling like a dream because it definitely felt like a nightmare but just watching the game, Trey, for you, I ask you the same question, you know, kind of phrased a little bit differently, I guess. But at what point did you kind of start believing, like, what? They're still in this game and they might actually pull the rabbit out of a hat. Man, I think um, the I think we even said it at halftime in the group chat. We were like, as bad as they're playing, they're really right there. It was missed opportunities that you just can't miss and and just some blown plays that i mean you know giving up a punt return for a touchdown stuff stuff can't happen but i think once they once they got driving down the field after they had kicked the field goal and they got in there close and i'm like 
okay, if they score here, still got a good amount of time, and then they score, and then it's like, oh, then they get the two-point conversion. And I, I thought they had no shot at that play. Like, I mean, that, that play just didn't look like it had a chance at all. And, you know, they ended up make, making that conversion, and now it's like they might be about to win this game. Now, obviously, Derek Carr going down um, kind of, you know, stymied all the momentum the Saints had offensively, but – I mean, it's not like they they rolled out a, a scrub number two quarterback. I mean, you know, Jameis has gotten it done in the league, and he sure he sure knows how to sling the ball around. So, um, at the end of the day, man, credit credit to Green Bay. They uh, pulled a rabbit out of the hat, um, got revenge on Atlanta, or got revenge on Atlanta by taking it out on the Saints because uh, they literally did exactly what happened to them um one week later and thankfully you know now we're now we're two and one instead of sitting here being one and two and and really upset about uh the way the last two weeks unfolded and we talked about it last week trey like when you blow a fourth quarter lead the way the falcons did it was weird right they ran the ball and they just kept coming at them with the run and we mentioned it like usually in a fourth quarter comeback the quarterback gets hot and that's that's what happened yesterday with the packers Mm -hmm. you know it's it's fascinating to watch Jordan Love's development because I think when you watch some of his plays, some of his throws, he still – he plays loose. So, like, I, I want to be careful with how I say this, but it does still feel like he's at times maybe aiming. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like kind of like, oh, i got to make the perfect throw here. Every throw has got to be perfect because all eyes are on me. And that fourth quarter, he just came out and was like, we're down 17 anyways. I might as well just cut it loose and see what happens. And the Falcons defense is, you know, specifically that secondary uh, is good. There are, there are no slouches over there. Even the backups that they had playing. I mean, Alante Taylor, you couldn't ask for much more out of a corner the way he played yesterday. I mean, I was so impressed with him. The Charles Woodson comp was a little bit out of this world, but, (laughs) but he's a good player. And, and, and you saw it and the young receivers really struggled with that. And one thing, I mean, the, the clips are all out there all over the place. I mean, Jordan made some absolutely monster throws in this game. Some of them were Mm -hmm. caught. Some of them weren't the story of Jordan's young career so far has kind of been, Hey, my best throws are being dropped. And, and that's just, that's, you know, some of that is bad luck and some of it, is on those high, high-level throws, it takes two guys being on the absolute same page. It takes a, a, almost a veteran presence on the receiving end because you look at the young receivers like Wicks last week, probably his hands came up a little bit early. You know, Reed this week, just got to come down with that ball. He got kicked out. I mean, it was just bad luck. It was just, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. You got to squeeze that thing, man. You got to squeeze it all the way through. So um, I think you're either – and I'll ask you this because I think you're either half gla- glass half full with Jordan Love or you're glass half empty. Because if you want to point to some things that make you go, ooh, I don't know, they're there. They're there. You can see them. But if you want to point to some things that make you go, whoa, they're also there. So, you know, three weeks in, Trey, where are you at with this Jordan Love kid? Glass half empty or glass half full? Uh, it's, it's half full to be honest. It might, it might be closer to 75% full, uh, given, given the, the, the top level plays are top level. Like there's, there's really just no debating. Um, he's, he's making some really great plays. 
And I think you made a good point. I don't know if it's the, you know, the, the phrasing would be he's aiming some of those throws, specifically the deep balls. Um, it does look like he's either just thinking too hard on it or almost like he's kind of pushing it instead of just slinging it. Because when when he's moving out of the pocket and throwing these cross body throws, like the one the one to read and, um, that he dropped and the one last week against Samori at the end of the game with the pressure, I mean, he's just flick of the wrist. The ball, ball comes out so smooth and it, and it looks effortless and it goes exactly where he wants it to go. Uh, even where a lot of us don't think he could even get it there sometimes. Um, and just the, the deep ball just has been that one part that you're just like, man, like where is, where is the hang up? Is it arm strength? No. I mean, you see every now and then he'll throw it as far as anyone, anyone can throw it. And then, you know, the next three will be underthrown and he'll miss a guy who's wide open by five or six yards. Like the one to Musgrave, at the very least, that's a 40, 50 yard completion. More often than not, you'd like that to be a touchdown. I mean, he's he split the split the safeties, had exactly what you want. The the play was executed to perfection besides the throw. Um, and that, you know, that those are just kind of head scratchers. But I mean, everything else is it, it is what you want it to be. And I mean, I don't want to, you know, keep saying it, but the reality is the team is just not healthy. And he's doing this without all of his top guys. You got a, a whole Pro Bowl left side of the offensive line that still, you know, or didn't play again. Uh, Bakhtiari two weeks in a row. Elton, you know, one and a half weeks getting hurt last week. You got one of the most versatile running backs in the game who, if a quarterback is struggling, can be that safety outlet that helps get you going. He hasn't been there two games in a row. And the, the eventual number one receiver in this offense when he does get healthy in Christian. So, I mean, given the circumstance, you, you've you got to be excited. And at the end of the day, a quarterback gets the all the blame when they lose, and they get probably more credit than, than, than they deserve when they win. Uh, but, I mean, he put the team on his back yesterday. He he did what needed to be done even when there were some, some key drops. The defense was struggling at some points. I mean, he just got it done. And that's that's what you need your quarterback to do. Five hundred yards or two hundred and twenty, like win the game. And right, and he's exactly. he he's winning the game. And that's you look at his final stat line, and it's not it's not like as clean as his first two games. But I think mm-hmm. you look at what he did in the fourth quarter, and it's easy to say like this is his best game with what he was able to do. I mean, you mentioned all the guys that are out, and it just got to a point where he's like, I'll do it myself. Mm-hmm. I'll do it myself. And with his legs, with some of the throws he was making in absolute clutch moments. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. One throw that his make has been making the rounds is the third, and I think there's the third and eleven uh to read to like the three yard line. Mm-hmm. Just a absolute rubber band type arm. I mean, I I the angle that ball comes out of his hand is is absurd from the end zone angle. And you and with that. I think that's a, a tale of kind of everything that's happening with these young receivers too, because Jordan puts that ball right where it needs to be. He finds kind of the soft spot of that zone and he, he puts it right there. Reed over, over. I mean, he still made the catch. Don't get me wrong, but you saw how he kind of over, he drifted into coverage a little bit mm-hmm. and had to backtrack to come back and get it. Now he still made the play, but those are the things that will come with reps with a young receiver where Jordan's probably like, ah, sit, sit, Jaden, like sit down right there. Stop getting yourself covered. 
And and that's the kind of stuff I think, like I said, we'll just it needs to have they just need to play together. And it's exciting because they haven't and and they're doing this. So that's what I think you have to be excited about with with love. And one thing before we move on from the offense, because I think we need to talk about the defense, too. But I just need to ask you this. I mean, you've been in these locker rooms where you're down 17 to nothing. You've been in these locker rooms where you lose a game like last week and you're pissed off. What do you look at your quarterback like now after he put the team? I mean, make no mistake. Everybody in that locker room knows damn well that Tan put the team on his back, and that is why they won the game yesterday. As his teammate, if there were any doubts that he's the guy for your team, they've got to be gone, right? Yeah, no, without a doubt. And, I mean, we've we've seen it in interviews, on social media, again and again. These, these guys – Never, never doubted uh, Jordan Love. That's that's without a doubt. He he might have they might have given him credit before he even really actually deserved it. But that's just the reality of the situation. That's a reflection on the type of quarterback he is, the type of teammate he is, the type of man he is, and that he has been since he walked into the building um, and has been around those other guys. But yesterday, that that's what you want when when everyone else is struggling. Who who can dictate? everything in a game the quarterback you're, you're touching the ball every single play everything runs through him and he knew that and when push came to shove he made the throw that he needed to make even when guys weren't, weren't catching him and then he came back did it again knew where he needed to go with the ball made plays with his legs if he had to I mean that's that's all you can ask for from that position and that's a guy that literally everyone will go out there and up their level of play to match. And that's what that's what happened those last couple minutes of the game. Defense got stops when they really hadn't necessarily been getting stops prior to that. Hey, Jordan's getting it done. Offense just scored, put us in a position to win. We get one more stop. Now we win this football game and 10 goes down the scores and, and it's over. And that's what happens. Everyone ups their level of play when you have a guy at the helm who everyone truly believes in. And I mean, like you said, there, there's no doubt that he is that guy in that locker room right now. And I think you need to talk about the defense to make, you know, how well they played giving up 10 points, 10 points. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that any, any offensive player in the NFL is going to say, if my defense only gives up 10 points, we're winning the game. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately that's what they did. But the Packers also got a little bit lucky at the end with the guy missing the field goal, obviously, but they put themselves in the position for that luck to matter, right? Where it's, he's got to make it. Rookie kicker's got to make it a 40-plus yard field goal. And we've seen how fickle kickers can be in this league. Um, would have you liked to see Corey Ballantyne go out there and lock down Chris Olave? Yeah, of course. But the two names I just mentioned, one guy was called up from the practice squad. One, one of the other, Chris Olave is one of the best young receivers in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. Like, those guys are going to give up plays. And ultimately, the defense did what it was supposed to do, especially after getting downright embarrassed in Atlanta. Uh, They came out, and you could tell they played with a little bit more fire in their belly, especially in the run game. They they didn't give up much on the ground. You know, Taysom Hill didn't hurt them. Granted, the the Saints were you know they were banged up too at the running back position, um, and and probably a little bit overmatched as far as in the front seven. But ultimately, you still got to go out there and do it, and. Ultimately, that's what they did. And that's without Jair. They're probably 
one of their best two players on defense, if not their best. So to be able to go out and do that, I mean, Trey, I don't know where you're at with the defense. I don't know where I'm at with the defense, to be quite frank, because I we've seen we've seen both ends of the pendulum so far. We've seen them go out and stymie the Bears, which everyone is. I think that's just chalking that up to I think the Bears are the worst team in the football in the National Football League again. Uh, you saw them get the ball run down their throats against Atlanta, but then you have this 2-0 New Orleans team come in uh, with Derek Carr, who is no slouch. Granted, he got hurt, and, and let me just pause. Right. He got hurt, but he did not just get hurt on his own, and, and I don't mean that like, oh, good, he got hurt or anything like that. I hope he, I hope he plays next week. I hope he's fine. You never hope anyone gets hurt, mm-hmm. but he got hurt because Rashawn Gary is, is a grown man that was getting after the quarterback all day. And so, like, don't really use that excuse because those DNs, those guys want to hit the quarterback, and they did. They hit him all day. And, you know, they would never admit this, but, like, that's kind of one of the goals of hitting the quarterback is to rattle them to get them off their game or out of the game. And and that's just the nature of the beast with football. Mm-hmm. And, and they were able to accomplish that goal. And, again, I don't mean that as anything other than – they were hitting the quarterback and uh, you hope Derek Carr's okay. Uh, because looking at, looking back at that hit too, like that was, that was brutal. I mean, that was pretty brutal. Like, Oh yeah. John threw him on the ground pretty hard. I mean, illegal hit, nothing illegal about it, but, uh, but they did that. So give me, what are your thoughts on kind of the defense as a whole right now? You know, what do you, what, what can we expect from these guys moving forward? Man, I think uh, to, to some degree, it, it really is still a toss up. Um, you know, Got a couple good quarters against Atlanta, and then that that run game really kind of just kept eating them alive and then, you know, collapsed in that game. Um, there was some good and some bad yesterday. Uh, so it's like you just don't – you don't really know, you know, what kind of defense you're going to get. You don't know what version of each player you're going to get. Now, you know, speaking on Rashawn, I mean, he just took, took over the football game yesterday. If that's how he's going to play every week moving forward – um, they're always going to have a chance. Having an edge rusher who can essentially dominate every play, you, you know, wh- what do you do? You, you block them with two, okay, now someone else is free, or now you can't get as many guys out into the, into the routes, and then now you're limited that way. Um, and he, he just took over, and he, he did it against an all-pro right tackle. Like, I played against Ryan Ramchick in college at Wisconsin. He's one of the best football players I've ever played against and he's been that and more in the NFL. And I mean, he made uh, Rashawn made him and Penning, you know, look like scrubs at sometimes. That's just how, how well he was able to get after him. Um, so, you know, if he can keep, keep going with that level of play, if, you know, hopefully Devondre is healthy, obviously, you know, hurts to have, have one of your, one of your veteran guys go down. Um, but it seemed like McDuffie stepped up to the plate. Uh, he he played some against Atlanta, and then, you know, that was without an injury. So, obviously, they have some trust and faith in him. But, you know, hopefully everything's all right. You can keep your guys healthy. Get Jair back. Um, you know, maybe if the, the defense is able to add Stokes back here pretty soon, um, you start feeling more confident about the secondary as well. Um, and it, Like I said, the, the jury just really is still out on what the defense is going to be week in, week out. Um, I think – there's definitely been some some good flashes and there's been some moments where you're like, all right, you know, hope not this again. Um, so, you know, we shall see. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So you guys really need to make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. Pizza is the ultimate game day food. There is no question about it. If there's one thing that rivals my love for the Green Bay Packers and my love of football, it's my love of pizza. And right now you can actually order online during their pizza pizza pregame. It's one hour before NFL games and you can get ready for football, fun, choose your favorite little Caesars pizza, pick the toppings that you crave. Me, this is going to sound weird. I know because you know uh, my pickiness with food. I love mushroom and onion. That is my absolute favorite pizza. I know it's probably not everyone else's. And of course, you know you love my food takes, but I love mushroom and onion pizza. I love it from Little Caesars. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning... Everyone's going to score with convenient delivery. They also have their in-store pizza portal, so you can pick up, you can grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. Trust me, you're going to love it. And and if I have to recommend one thing for sure, have to get the crazy bread. The crazy bread is an absolute must. Enjoy it, enjoy your game day, and enjoy it more with Little Caesars. Fellas, are you running into some stubble trouble? Are you dreaming of that clean-shaven look but hate going through the hassle of a wet shave every other day? I know you are. That's why we've partnered with Manscaped. The brand for below the waist is coming to save that beautiful face. Yes, sir. Manscaped now has beard products and is going a step further with the launch of their brand new handyman electric face shaver. It's designed to give your face that smooth and chiseled finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Make sure to join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Head over to manscaped.com and use code packaday for 20% off and free shipping. You may have noticed my recently cleanly shaved face over on the YouTube channel, and that perfect shave was brought to you by Manscaped's Handyman. The best part is I was able to get the exact shave I wanted without any of the usual mess of traditional shavers. I've also used their signature Beard Hedger, which is a juggernaut of fixing faces. You can trim your beard to 20 different lengths, all in one guard, so using this thing is amazing, and basically it's perfect. No matter what tool you use, you can't go wrong with Manscaped's line of products. Right now, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code PAC a day at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code packaday. That's P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y, no hyphens. Hit that refresh button with the handyman. It's finally football season, which means it's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite? 
Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing, and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Absolutely. And young team, Penalties killed them. We talked about that. That was kind of the story of the game is the fourth quarter. They stopped shooting themselves in the foot. And and you saw what the results were. Uh, Trey, do you got any other any other thoughts? Anything else you need to get off your chest? Man, it uh, feel, feels good to get a win. Um, week two hurt, and, and week three feels a heck of a lot better. Now, you know, if we can get 33 and nine and, you know, 23 back on the field for, for Thursday. Now, now you start feeling really good. Um, so, you know, if there's anything, Hey, anybody's birthday coming up, you know, make a wish, blow your candles out and, uh, guys can stop hurting their hamstring and whatever else keeps happening in practice. That's, uh, that would be much appreciated. Right. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Like we can, someone brought this point up and I, it's kind of, they're talking about bad karma and talking about, uh, is this just bad karma because of all those Packers fans that were uh, cheering when Aaron Rodgers got hurt against the, you know, in his first week. And that's why, that's why the Packers are getting so banged up. So whatever we need to do to get that, you know, that good, ju- that good juju back in green Bay with the injuries, we'll, whatever, we'll do it, blow up those candles, whatever it is, like Trey said. So, all right, Trey, thanks for joining us. We'll have uh we'll have Dorf on here momentarily. All right, and we are back, and now we are joined by the one and only Jacob Westendorf, known Jordan Love hater, Jacob Westendorf. Come on. Who said he sucks after the first half, and people got mad. I'll, I'll defend you here, Jacob. I'll defend you. Jordan Love in the first half of that game, not good. Didn't play well. Did not. Fourth quarter of the game. He did. We were talking. We were talking before this. You know, we were just chatting as we're watching the game here. And Jordan Love, we're trying to figure out: is he good or is he bad? And the answer is he's been both. He's been both this year. Now, luckily, I think the good outweighs the bad with Jordan Love, and I think the bad is stuff that honestly is fixable, and and that's what is exciting. But Jacob. How are you feeling after that fourth quarter comeback? 17 points. You were in attendance at the game. Talk like I want to know what was what the emotion. So the emotions of the game watching on TV started out hot. We all saw the Jordan Love intro where the crowd went absolutely wild. Uh, very cool moment. There were some boo birds. Second, third. they got booed off the field yeah, in the yeah. first half. Like, and then by the end of the game, the people who stayed were had to be ecstatic. Kind of walk us through that. What was what was that fan experience like on Sunday? Yeah, uh, first thing I'll say is to those that left early, those who stay will be champions. A wise man once said, 
and you gave up and you deserve to miss what transpired in the fourth quarter. Uh, to start the game, the emotions were cool. Like you mentioned, the the ovation for Jordan Love. And you could tell the Packers, their, their PR team this week was very, very smart. They leaned into it's Jordan's first home start. Like he was on the cover of the program and they introduced him last. In the, and granted, the quarterback usually gets introduced last anyways. But they introduced him last uh, for intros. They introduced the offense, which they could have gone defense and said just whatever, but they introduced offense first uh, for this game. So the emotions there were cool. And then, yeah, the Packers did virtually nothing for three quarters. And it was one of those, like, the defense is keeping them in the game, but the offense just can't get out of their own way. You know, 11 more penalties. I mean, there's plenty of bad that the win kind of washes away the stink of, but like 11 more penalties, uh, two turnovers on downs. They took a love, took a sack that knocked them out of field goal range, which I know the, the win probability, whatever says that that didn't materially affect the game or whatever. It's still bad process, bad practice, whatever you want to call it. Um, they have no running game to speak of. Their passing game is being asked to do things that I don't think there is no way when Matt LaFleur drew up his vision for this year's offense, he went, yeah, we're not going to be able to run it basically at all. And we're going to have to have our first time quarterback with all these young receivers have to carry us, which is what green Bay really has had to do. Um, I don't believe they have or Jordan love does, but I, I think he's the only rushing touchdown that they have so far this season. That's surprising to me. And granted, Aaron Jones hasn't played. That's certainly part of it. Um, but then when the comeback started at 17, three, you're kind of like, eh, whatever. Then green Bay gets the three and out on defense and they get the ball back and they go down the field with two pass interference penalties. And Jordan love makes a hell of a play. It's him one-on-one against Demario Davis. And he jukes him out of his shoes and scores. And I kind of smiled and was like, that's when I'm like, this guy's like, this guy's kind of a gangster for that. And then Matt LaFleur to me, and I don't know what your take on this was Morley, but as soon as they scored, I said, go for two. And I think those are, I think that was a decision that LaFleur made that like, you could see decisions that coaches make that can win or lose games. Right. Like, and that was a decision where I think that strategy had winning the game in regulation in mind. Like the goal is to win the game, not just to extend it. And two point plays are typically converted at about a 50% clip. So in theory, if you have to convert one, you go for the one early. If you don't get that one, your chances in theory should be good. uh, The second time around, they got that one. And then Anders Carlson made a game winning extra point after Jordan love threw a back shoulder fade to Romeo Dobbs, but you could almost feel everything's starting to pile as the comeback started. Uh, and then when, when they got the ball back at 17, 11 with like five minutes left, we were just all kind of like, yeah, they're like, they're going to go score. It's just a matter well, that, of if they well, get a stopper. The, the two point conversion, it's, it's almost a heat check, heat check for your quarterback. And as soon as he hit that and the way that he made that play, because you look at the coach, you know, coach LaFleur talked about Reed kind of screwed that up. Like the timing was all off with the motion. Mm-hmm. They were kind of trying to get him on the, you know, the in and out in motion, like they did that sent Jalen Ramsey into a t- absolute tizzy a few years ago. 
I think that's what they're trying to get with Reed. And I think Love immediately recognized it wasn't there and went into playmaking mode. And he did. And like, if that's a heat check, he just hit a half court shot. And at that point, what that did for the team, I think, you know, it's just like, like you just said, like, you better not give us the ball back because we're going to win. And Love went out. And, and that's, I think that's telling right there about where we're at with the young quarterback. There are still going to be ups and downs. Uh, we still don't really know who he is, but we know that he's got that type of moxie to be able to come back from that now. And yeah, I'll say this on that front too. From an intangibles standpoint, I think Jordan Love has everything you want in a quarterback. Again, intangibles. So doesn't get rattled. Guys want to rally behind him. Matt LaFleur said something yesterday along the lines of like, guys want to fight for Jordan Love. Everybody in that locker room wants to fight for Jordan Love. Rashawn Gary was asked like what that does for the team's belief in love. And Gary was basically like, we've always believed in him. Like he we believe it, in him. It's the outsiders he, that don't. He said it so casually and it wasn't like just lip service. He was almost like, what? Like, right, mean? like he couldn't he <laughs> couldn't really believe or understand the question essentially, which was kind of interesting. But I think that you know, from like I'm saying here, from an intangible standpoint, Jordan Love has everything you could want in a quarterback. He doesn't get rattled. Which was not what people thought about him coming out of Utah State. That which was is interesting, of- just because when you read about and know his backstory and everything, like I've said this all the time, and I don't want to like turn his a tragic backstory, quite frankly, into a cute little anecdote or anything like that, anecdote or anything like that. But when you read his backstory, it's like playing football is easy compared to some of the stuff this guy's had to go through. Uh, He's easy to root for, certainly. Um, It's just a matter of, you know, like you said, the highs for Jordan Love are very high. That throw to Romeo Dobbs to win the game was filth. That play on the two-point conversion was filth. The zone read, to beat Demario Davis, one of the best linebackers in football, it was filth. The throw to Wicks. I mean, he there. This was I said this to Trey, and I'm trying not to overlap too much, but this was probably the ugliest uh, box score game for Jordan Love. But I think the game you leave feeling the best about him, even with the three quarters of pretty. And bad that's what football. I was getting to. The first three quarters were filth and not in the slang. Not way. a good it way. Was, yeah. It was gross. Um, and I had people in my mentions upset that I mentioned it was bad and how dare I, but I mean, the reality is here's the reality too, is we keep talking about it. You cannot grade Jordan love on a curve. And I've said this a million times. Green Bay has to make a decision this year as to whether he's the quarterback of the future or not. So even though that's not really fair to him, you cannot grade him as if, well, he's a first time starter, even though you keep in the back of your mind of that context. But when he plays poorly, it's because he plays poorly. And I know that Bakhtiari and Jenkins and Watson and Jones and all those guys were missing, but it wasn't like he was under fire throughout the course of the entire game. No, Rasheed Walker, and, my dude, played well. Played yeah, really they, well. I mean, they have guys. I think that they have enough to win, and they showed that yesterday. And what you need is Jordan Love to raise the floor because the ceiling, the highs that he's had are as good as anybody in the sport. The lows make him look like Drew Locke, Deshaun Kaiser, insert Packers quarterback that they like with that similar skill set that flamed out. Name whichever one you want. Um, He needs needs to hit his layups. 
Got to hit yeah. him. Yeah, make your layups. And if he does that, that's when the completion percentage is going to go up a little bit, which everyone is worried about. The accuracy issues, if you will. And there's some of that. There's some things that LaFleur has talked about in terms of angles and, and different nuances within the offense. Morally, the way I've explained this Packers offense to you prior to uh, this show starting was this is the 2019 Packers offense. Everyone is in essentially in their first year of the offense under Matt LaFleur. It's a complicated offense. It's difficult to learn and it's difficult to execute. And Green Bay's offense that year kind of struggled. The difference is they don't have an MVP quarterback under center, at least not yet. And their running game is putrid. The 2019 Packers running game, that was the best year of Aaron Jones's career, for example. And their running game is putrid. They averaged 3.02 yards per carry. That's not going to get it done. I think that there's just, they're not getting enough production out of that. And I feel like they're asking too much of their passing offense by extension because they're not able to get anything. And that's not just AJ Dillon. That's not just the backs. Although I do think the running back room without Jones, especially leaves quite a bit to be desired, but I think they need, and it's tough. I'm asking them to kind of get moving on that this week as they're playing the Lions, who are one of the best run defenses in football, and just shut down Bajan Robinson, who shredded the Packers just a week ago. But that's what you're asking, because Green Bay, they have to be able to run the football better than what they have over the first three weeks of the season. What's your, I mean, what's your thought on that? Green Bay has certainly had their issues getting the ground game going. And I think we all kind of assumed coming into the year that they would want to lean on that, but they just, they haven't been able to. It's almost like what McCarthy used to say with the run game body blows. That's kind of what it feels like. And it feels, and we pre show brought up Brandon Jackson of all people when we were talking about the backs that they have, because without Aaron Jones, they don't seem to have someone that can just make something out of nothing. And that's not really a spot you want to be in. You don't, want to have to find a running back that's going to try to fix everything in the run game but I think it's time to have the conversation about uh about Patrick Taylor being your running back too over AJ Dillon and I think you have that conversation because even with the the fourth and two debacle Patrick Taylor is is actually a, a plus player in in the passing game for a running back uh he's great in pass protection he can actually run routes. You can split him out and he can run a, a pretty decent route tree for a running back. AJ can't. Never could. The the you know, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can be that check down type guy, but he can't actually go into like into into a route concept confidently. At least I wouldn't be confident with him. Patrick, you can. So it's just kind of like you saw it, man, when they put Taylor on the field and they had to go hurry up, it just looked a lot better, just looked cleaner. He was a better outlet for Jordan to be able to get rid of the ball. So I think that's potentially coming. I don't, I think Emmanuel Wilson gets cut, and I think Patrick Taylor gets called up. I think that's the move they make. Um, I think Emmanuel Wilson is the running back on the practice squad, and then you know they can use that spot to call someone else up. So you know that's the long of it. I don't know where help is coming from in the run game uh, because, I mean, Elton, I guess you get Elton back and he's your best interior offensive lineman. But, uh, yeah, it's not it's not great. And truth, they're, they're not built to run the ball, which may sound weird, but, like, the offensive linemen that they like to draft and that they do have a lot of success with, they care about pass protection. That's how they want to win the game. 
Um, so it's it's tough. It's tough to find guys that are good at both, and they don't. I think they have Elton, who's good at both. I think the tackles are good at both. Uh, but you know, John Runyon Jr. has never been a guy that's going to move bodies in the run game. Uh, Josh Myers, I think they drafted him with that mindset that like, hey, he is a huge center. He's a big guy. We hope he can you know dig some people out in the run game. He ha- he doesn't, just doesn't. And and Josh Myers is actually, I think he's for all the criticism he gets, I think he's actually had a decent start to the season as far as you know what he's asked to do in pass protection. But it's uh, it's gonna fall on Love's arm. Like that's just gonna be what it is and you hope Aaron Jones can come in and make up for some of the deficiencies and I think he will but it's it's just going to be tough sled and I think they do need to kind of evaluate what they want in that interior offensive line they've got you know JRJ is up for a contract Josh Myers is in no way shape or form like solidified as the starting center I think they might make some moves but I think they're gonna have to ride it out this year Um, tackle play they got four of them Jacob which is unheard of. I didn't think they would need them all by week four, but here we are. Uh, so that's, you know, that's bizarre, but it, it kind of is what it is. Um, and, you know, you see the youth on this offense in the passing game too. So it's kind of a tough way to live where you can't really lean on the run game. And then you can't really lean on the passing game either because you got guys that are not consistently beating man coverage. Like I, I know, I know it's exciting to talk about the big plays Romeo Dobbs makes. I know it's exciting to talk about Jaden Reed. I know it's exciting. And believe me, I don't think there's anyone more excited about Dontavion Wicks than me. They're young. They don't win every rep. In fact, they don't win like half their reps. And that's just kind of life as a young receiver in the NFL. And teams are only going to start playing them more in man coverage. You're going to have to, you know, Christian's going to have to come in and be able to kind of help out in that regard. And, and Musgrave's going to have to kind of help out in that regard. And Musgrave's been a nice little rookie tight end, but he's a rookie tight end. They're usually bad. Yeah, that's, that was the interesting part as we talk about, like, and granted, I mean, Green Bay, they have a chance to kind of be in the, as much of the driver's seat as you can be in on September 28th or whatever the hell day the game is played on. Like if they win, they're three and one and have two division wins, including one against Detroit, which those are the only two teams that are close to the top of the division at this point, because I mean, Chicago and Minnesota are combined 0 and 6, which is hilarious for so many reasons. But that's not really the point that we're getting at here. It's you can't say that the team is going to have growing pains and then be upset when they, they happen. Do. Right. Or like be I mean, be upset. I understand that because during the games, it's frustrating. I understand all that, but you can't say that. And then like, be surprised, upset when it happens. You know what I mean? Like that's just, it's going to happen. And, and I thought for sure that some of those could be mitigated by, you know, the running game being solid and it hasn't even been that it's been putrid. And that's kind of the word that I've been using to describe their running running situation you mentioned you want them to reevaluate the way they look at the interior i would even go a step further and say even with some of the backs that they take like they went with this thunder and lightning idea with aj Dillon, and thunder and lightning is dead you know other than derrick henry who is a unicorn of unicorns the best qualities that i think a running back can have is vision and short area quickness and speed like explosions Look at Bijan Robinson just as, and Bijan was a top 10 pick. So I'm not saying necessarily just him, but look at the ball on eight chain. Out of or look at, 
Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones was a fifth yeah. round pick, for example. His and he was the best rookie running back almost immediately. Yep. Because of his vision and short area quickness. Green Bay needs more guys like that. And with all due respect, like you said, Patrick Taylor is like Brandon Jackson. And if he's your second running back, you need a better one. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the disappointment. That's get, really the most the, the thunder and lightning thing is so funny to me because it's like just give me two Aaron Joneses. You know, just give me two of those guys. I'll take two. It's fine. Well, and, once upon a time, it was different, right? Like, you needed guys to grind out those tough yards, but the game is just – like, the Packers in short yardage yesterday ran a zone read. That was yep. an option with the potential of a quarterback run game, and it worked. Like, it's a finesse type of running, but it's rare. Unless you have Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, and Cam Jurgens. like, teams just aren't lining up and blowing you off the ball to gain a yard. It's just not how it works. And that's just how it is for now. And and Green Bay doesn't have – they don't have that ability. They don't move guys and their backs that they have right now. I mean, it's kind of a, a combination. And Matt LaFleur said today it's not just one thing. He's like when they've got double teams, they've got to hit those. When backs have opportunities, they got to see the holes, and they haven't been. And that's, that's a vision problem. Dylan doesn't run behind his pads enough. Patrick Taylor – kind of squeezes every ounce of juice of what the good Lord gave him, but that's not a whole heck of a lot from an NFL standpoint. Again, he's good at everything, but he's not great at anything. And I don't think like help's not coming. Green Bay's not trading for a running back, for example, or they're probably not signing a guy off of the street. Morley's giving me that face. And I know they were in discussions to trade. Well, isn't for- it funny? Isn't it funny that four weeks ago we're like, what, why would they, even ask about Jonathan Taylor. Why would they even ask? And now we're like, oh, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why. Maybe they well, and that was that was my favorite part of the, you know, would it hurt AJ Dillon or Aaron Jones's feelings that the team was trying to get Jonathan Taylor? And it's like, what? Dude, this is a business. That's okay. I have to no one in that locker room cares about that. If the Packers went out and signed Jonathan Taylor and and A.J. Dillon was part of the deal, nobody would bat an eye. The players see it too. And A.J. Dillon is an awesome human being. Awesome human being. I love the fact that he is a Packer. I think he's a great ambassador for Wisconsin and sports and everything good about that state that we love. There are a lot of good people out there, a lot of good dudes but you have to be able to do your job. And right now, AJ's not. And so I think guys in the locker room would see that and would be like, well, this is the big boys league. This is the men's league. And the team did what it had to do. So I just, that always kills me when people are like, oh, they're going to get their feelings hurt. Nah, maybe. But guess what? Packers don't care. No, no rest for the weary. They play a Detroit team that has just been nasty against the run. Like I said, they just shut down Bajan Robinson. And Robinson is one of the best backs in the league, maybe already. And, you know, that is – that's who the Lions just shut down, and now they're facing a, a backfield. And I don't know. You know, we don't know who Green Bay could is going to have. Could it be that the Lions on defense said, we are not going to get beat? by Bijan Robinson and we're going to make Desmond Ritter beat us. That could be the case. Some would say that would be a good strategy on defense. Some would say that. Speaking yeah. of defense, before we get going here, Jacob, two out of three games, not bad. Defense looked pretty good. 
Yeah, I think one of them you can junk it because the Bears are terrible. Well, a JV team, but yeah. I mean, but I mean, it's the NFL, so I guess you know everything counts from that standpoint. But yeah, I think you could pretty safely toss the the Bears game in the trash. But I would, you know, yesterday New Orleans, and I know Derek Carr got injured, but that's kind of part of the deal. You know, you hit the quarterback enough. That is something that can happen. It's the NFL. It's a hundred percent injury rate. The quarterback gets hit enough that happens. Kenny Clark sacks Carr on the first play from or the first drive of the game, and Rashawn Gary is a one-man wrecking ball. And really, I mean, the Saints average like 4.2 yards per play or something like that in the first half. So for all the like rolling of the eyes, every it feels like every game Twitter is just waiting to get off its Joe Barry tweet. And like, yeah. I kind of understand it, but it's also like they played well. They gave up 10 points. Like what more do you want them to do? And truthfully, I mean, truthfully, the Atlanta game, plays were there to be made, and they weren't made by the defense. So I am in no way, shape, or form a Joe Barry apologist. I hope he's not the defensive coordinator of this team next year. But he is not the reason they're 2-1. and one. He's not. And that's that. Uh, no. And Good or bad. I mean, well, I should say he's not the reason they lost the Atlanta game. He's just not. No. And again, that's a low hanging fruit. It's an easy thing to do. And it's why I get frustrated with some of that analysis. Like justice Mosqueda had a great thread of like, why did Joe Barry do this? Why did Joe Barry do that? And it was like Jair dropping a pick six, yeah. Quay yeah. Walker dropping an interception, Darnell Savage, not getting an interception. Like you said, there were plays there to be made. And to me, the players on the field make the plays and the coaches, like there are times to question. Why, them. why did Kingsley and Igbari get blocked into the dirt five times? Why did the, why did Joe Barry tell him to do that? Weird. Sure, and there's plenty of there's plenty of that to be had. Um, and like I said, the coordinators, in my opinion, are always a pretty easy scapegoat for for what happens on the field because we never we never as a society of fandom want to blame the players that we like and say they had a bad game. But the other thing I wanted to get to is you said we were talking about how their defense only gave up ten points. That's without Jair Alexander, one of their best players. And that's without any quarterbacks. Like Corey Ballantyne was called up from the practice squad and almost was playing it. was playing meaningful snaps they found in the fourth him. quarter. They, they found, found Ballantyne. Sure, <laughs> but, they found him, but I, and I, I said can't this even... to Trey. I said this to Trey. They the Packers got lucky at the end of the game with the kicker missing the field goal, but they earned that right. They earned the right to receive that luck with the way they played that whole game. And that's a that is a thing. So you take the luck when you can get it, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Missing Jair when that when the inactive list came out, whew, I was like, oh boy, like we're on to Detroit. And then after the first three quarters, we're really on to Detroit. And then they won, and now we're on to Detroit. So, and in right. a happy way this time around. And that, and you said no Jair, uh, no, like twenty snaps of Rashawn. I think it was twenty three snaps by Rashawn Gary. Lucas Van Ness was very clearly on a pitch count yesterday, like they didn't play some of their best players and that included Devondre Campbell got hurt in the first quarter. I think it was, or it was definitely the first half didn't play the second half. And then they, Corey Valentine played the entire second half because Carrington Valentine has a biceps injury. This team is out of corners, quite literally out of corners. Remember when they, they had too many corners and too many tackles, too many corners and too many tackles. And it's amazing how that works. One thing yeah. 
and I've heard, and I always say, and I think it's the most, the best way to describe the NFL is there's a 100% injury rate. And for everybody that says, oh man, how does our, how is our team so injured? How does this happen every single year? Guess what? It happens to every team. Yeah. And maybe some teams are luckier than others when it comes to health, but it's really just a one-off most of the time. Like the Packers, like the David Bakhtiari injury is a perfect example. Just bad luck. I mean, it's it sucks. But Bakhtiari had a freak injury in practice three years and, ago. And dude never had dude would has never hurt. That was that is his first injury, like major injury in his career, and it's probably going to be the one that ends it. So that's just sucks. Yeah, I think he's going to uh I think he's gonna retire. That's my prediction yeah. as of like right now. Which I don't, I, don't all, know. I, I hate that I hate that for him, but at what point does he just say like it's been three years. I've been battling this. I've got, and he's, got his little girl, he's got his little girl at home. Was you know, I mean, like you made enough money for your kids that never have to work. So I don't know, but I, I also don't have the same drive that professional athletes do, you know? And so he could very much just be like, because I want to play because I'm a competitor. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, and it's, but I mean, the, it's it probably uh, remade though. No, but it's, that's a long conversation for a different day, but it's the, yeah. Booby awesome Miles from though. Friday Night Lights movie where Booby is crying in his uncle's arms and is saying, like, I can't do nothing else but play football. Like, that's how these guys are wired. Brett Favre talked about that all the time of, like, you know, what else? Because what else am I going to go do? Yeah. Like, this is well, what yeah. I've done for 30 years. You know, David the tran- the transition into away from sports, you know, guys that plan to retirement have a hard time with that, you know, and. So I don't envy David, uh, love him. And I hope that he figures it out. Honestly, I hope that he has, I hope he, I hope his knee heals and he's never hurt again. And he plays another he 10 plays years in Packers. Like that would be awesome. But sure. Uh, would. Speaking of who's going to win Thursday, let's do that before we get out of here. Who wins? Packers Lions is at home. It's at Lambeau. Packers have a mini buy afterwards before playing the Raiders. And then, uh, can the you Broncos. give me the Thursday injury report? Nope. Okay. Uh, I, I like the Packers in this one. I do. I like them. I think they're going to win. I think the home home team is usually favored on Thursday night football. Usually that goes against – I mean, well, let's see. Thursday night football usually works against the Packers because in the past they have been the better team. I don't think – I don't know if they're the better team than the Lions, but Thursday night can get wonky. They're going to be riding high after this game. Uh, if they can get some guys back, I think they might actually be able to do some stuff uh, against the Lions. And uh, we'll see. So I think Packers – they're going to have to score. They're going to have to score on these guys uh, to win. So I'm going to say 28-24 Packers. Yeah, I'm curious. And I said I can't give you the Thursday injury report, and that's why I'm picking Detroit because they're healthier. And I don't and I don't have to guess whether or not they're healthier. Like if you tell me that the Cavalry's coming and that Matt LaFleur just lied when he said all the games were the same and Thursday's not – part of the equation at all he has i think well i mean we'll see if none of those guys play on thursday then he didn't but if you can pick the two games you 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 weigh you weigh it towards the divisional game for the the, you know the team that's in your division like that's the game that you want the guys healthy for because that's the one that matters more technically we'll see if they play or not like but also I i i believe him when he says healthy guys play so i don't know yeah, it's it's hard to say, but I know like Jenkins is not going to play. I think we know that. But other than that, you know, Alexander Bakhtiari, Jones, Watson, Tom. Yeah. Like, the hope is that 
even if they can just get a couple of those guys, then I would feel better about the situation. Like, cause me to, again, Ross Uglum says this all the time, but Watson changes the geometry of the offense. And it's something they are missing and something that's kind of annoying with the way the Packers have built their receiving core over the last five years. It's like they have the one fast guy. And when he's out, they have now no fast guy. So that is kind of annoying, but whatever, not, not what it is, but I like Detroit. They're healthier. Um, I think the two teams are pretty even in terms of like quality. I wish that they could have saved this game for later in the year, just because golf and the elements that's been a thing throughout his career. I know they beat green Bay last year, but that was like green Bay scored 16 points. That's just, it's not like golf was lighting it up. Yep. Um, I think that it, while it does favor the home team, I also think that these are games that come down to like, who's a little bit more physical and the lions are built like a more physical football team. They'll be able to run the ball. They'll be able to stop green Bay from running the ball. And when you make green Bay one dimensional, that means Aiden Hutchinson is breathing down your neck and Aiden Hutchinson has 19 pressures in three games. And he got his first two sacks of the season on Sunday and last year against the Packers, two games, two sacks an interception and a forced fumble. So like, He's kind of a thorn in the side of this Green Bay team already, and he's only played two games against them. But if they're one-dimensional, that could be scary uh, for, for Green Bay, just from the standpoint of how are they going to protect. And maybe maybe that means Rasheed Walker and Yosh Nyman play great games if Tom can't go. But I just feel like this is a game that maybe if it were played later in the year, I'd feel better about Green Bay's prospects. But right now, that's not the way that, that things are working. And – and I think that they're just they're too you can't guarantee me that they won't be too shorthanded. Like one of my key matchups for my Packers Central article on Wednesday is Packers versus injury report. And I say, like, that sounds like a cop-out answer, but you could say all you want as a fan and as a coach and as a player or whatever, like, oh, next man up, next man up. Well, like, there's a reason that guy's the next man up. Like Dan Bernstein of Chicago Radio, you say there's a reason nobody wants the next man up, and it's because the next man up sucks. And like, I'm not going to go that far because I think the backers have done a good job of building like the depth of their quote, next men up. But if you're asking, if I ask you right now, Morley, you want David Bakhtiari or Rasheed Walker? Your answer is Bakhtiari. That's just, oh yeah. You know, you want Christian Watson or Dontavian Wicks? You want Christian Watson? Like just go down the line. You want your stars. And like, it's not like Green Bay's missing role players. These are, they're five of their 12 best players or something like that. So I went very long winded to say the lions are going to win. I hope I'm wrong. I have picked every Packers game right so far this year. And this is where we're at. So hopefully this is the fourth time is the charm. Good deal. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, we went way over. That's fine. Uh, but we'll wrap it up with that. Uh, guys, make sure you're uh, checking us out on iTunes, giving us a five-star rating. Um, if you would, that we would appreciate that. Uh, we'll catch you guys back here next week, next Monday. It might be a little different because that'll be a few days removed from the game. So uh, we'll have some cool stuff to talk about either way. So uh, we'll catch you guys then. But until then, go Pack Go.